0: I don't need to introduce myself again, do I? That's the blessing of being able to do communion and preaching on the same day. Uh, We've been working through the book of Ephesians. And uh, to be honest with you, when I started out, I thought it might have been a 12-week series. Uh, I'm not sure what we're up to, but uh, we are more than halfway through. uh, And I think we've done more than 12 sermons already. But this morning, we're going to be looking at Ephesians chapter 4, verses 17 through to the end of the chapter. But in order to understand where we're up to, we really need to go back and and have a bit of a summary, and we won't go back too far, so we'll go back to the beginning of chapter four. And there's three key statements in in, uh, Ephesians chapter four that if you have a highlighter or you want to highlight, the the three verses that you really want to highlight is Ephesians chapter four, verse one, Ephesians chapter four, verse twenty-four. And the the third one technically isn't in Ephesians chapter 4. It's in Ephesians chapter 5. And it's Ephesians chapter 5 verse 1. And so they're the three verses that I really want to focus on today. Because if we go back to understand Ephesians, the theme of Ephesians really is our identity in Christ. Our identity in Jesus. That is the theme, the overarching theme of the entirety of, of the book of Ephesians. And we know, we know that right back in Ephesians chapter 1 that the Holy Spirit has been given us to us for three reasons and the first one is that we will know our identity. That he will reveal Christ to us so that we will know our identity. And, and the second or third are related to our identity, but it's what we received in Christ Jesus, which is his inheritance and the power that raised him from the dead, which is for us. Our identity, what we, his inheritance in us, and the power and identity that is for us. But if we go now to Ephesians chapter 4, verse 1, he makes this one statement. He says, As a prisoner of the Lord, then, I urge you to live a life worthy of the calling you have received. You see, in Jesus Christ, we have a calling that is that is for us. He has called us to something. And Paul says, I urge you then to live a life worthy of that calling. And we're going to find out later on what that calling actually is and what it means to live a life worthy of it per se. And so that's really what he's talking to us about in Ephesians chapter four, urging us to live a life worthy of the calling that we have received in Jesus Christ. And then as we move through, he talks about how the father or Christ Jesus actually has given gifts to people, apostles, prophets, evangelists, pastors and teachers, not so that they can be upheld, so that the body of Christ can be equipped to know who they are, to come to fullness in maturity in Jesus Christ. So we have this notion to live a life worthy of the calling of Christ Jesus. And, and Jesus Christ says, so I gifted people to equip you so that you would know who you are in Jesus Christ, that you could rise up to become that and begin to live from it, that you will be fully mature because they've trained you and equipped you in the ways of Jesus Christ. So this this is where we pick up uh, from verse 17. So Paul has said, I I urge you to live a life worthy of the calling. I've sent people to equip you and to train you so that you will understand your identity in Jesus Christ and to train you in the ways. And then Paul says this in verse 17. He says, so I tell you this and insist on it in the Lord that you must no longer live as the Gentiles do. No longer live as the Gentiles do in the futility of their thinking. They are darkened in their understanding and separated from the life of God because of the ignorance that is in them due to the hardening of their hearts. Having lost all sensitivity, they have given themselves over to sensuality so as to indulge in every kind of impurity with a continual lust for more. Paul says, you have a life. You can live up to the worthiness of the calling that's been placed to you. You've been trained and equipped for that. So now because of that, and and you've come to Jesus Christ, you're a new Christian. Now because of that... Set aside the previous way of life, set aside the way that the Gentiles live, because you have not been redeemed just to go to heaven, that you will continue to live as the rest of the world lives. That is not why Jesus Christ came to die. Paul is saying, and and Paul says, remember the prophets, uh, the the apostles and the pastors, the, the prophets and the evangelists, the teachers who have come to train and equip you and to tell you the truth and to lead you into all truth in Jesus Christ so that you will understand who you are. He says, because who you are is not to continue on living as the Gentiles do, not to continue on living in the ways of the world. He says, so so take that off and set that aside. In verse 20, he says, however, you did not come to know Christ that way. Surely you heard of him in, in the ways of the Gentiles. That is surely you heard of him and were taught in him in accordance with the truth that is in Jesus. You were taught with regard to your former way of life to put off the old self. In other way, in other uh, books or letters, Paul calls the, the two creations, the old or the old man and the new man, that we are fundamentally a new creation in Jesus Christ. He calls us to take off the old man here. He says, I call you to take off the um, you were taught with regard to your former way of life to put off your old self or to take off the old man, which you have died to in Jesus Christ, because it's no longer you that liveth. You've you've denied yourself. And we've established that through previous preaching, which is being corrupted by its deceitful desires. Paul says, take off the old man, the old man that lives in the ways of the Gentiles that you used to live in, because that's no longer you anymore. Remember when you baptized? And and I remember distinctly speaking about this when, when my children were baptized here and we dunked them down. And symbolizing the death of the old man, symbolizing that we've died to self, that we're going to rise up as a fundamentally new creation, as one formed to be like Jesus Christ. And Paul says, take off the old way of life and put off your old self, which has been corrupted by its deceitful desires to be made new in the attitude of your minds. You see, the new self, when we die to ourself, our minds are fundamentally restored. And in fact, in in 2 Corinthians, it says this, and it blows my mind, that we actually have the mind of Christ. We have a fundamental new mind. We've been redeemed in our mind and, and we have the mind of Christ. But I'll speak to more of that in a little bit. To be made new in the attitude of your minds And this is the the second verse to underline, verse 24, and to put on the new self created to be like God in true righteousness and holiness. You see, here, Paul, there's two distinct characteristics. There's the former way of life before entering into Jesus Christ, and there's the new way of life once you've received Jesus Christ. And And we need to be trained. We need to be educated. We need to read the scripture to understand the difference so that we can separate the two to take off the old way of life and to clothe ourselves with the new way of life. Because the new man, the new self, the the self that we've stepped into in Jesus Christ, the self that we clothe ourselves in Jesus Christ, that self has been created to be like God in true righteousness and holiness. I need to say that again. You need to understand this. The new self, and again, this is not me paraphrasing it. This is coming directly from the word of God. And to put on the new self to be created like God in true righteousness and holiness. In Jesus Christ, that is your identity. In Jesus Christ, you have been created... To be like God in true righteousness and holiness. He, that's who he saw before the foundation of the world. When he saw you in his mind's eye. When he loved you at that point. He saw you in his image and in his likeness. In true righteousness and holiness created to be like him you see Jesus Christ is the visible image of the invisible God He is the will of God in human flesh and what Paul is saying we have been created to be like Jesus that in all things we get to reflect the righteousness of Christ the holiness of Christ which reflects the holiness and the righteousness of the father in heaven we are to be shining like the stars in the universe in the midst of the crooked and depraved generation because that's who the father called us to be. Ephesians chapter 4 verse 1 As a prisoner of the Lord then I urge you to live a life worthy of the calling you have received. What's that calling? To put on the new self created to be like God in true righteousness and holiness. I don't know about you. It actually blows my mind that the God of the universe the most holy of holies the one who thought things into and spoke things into being, the one who is set apart and above all and in all, and, and just the one who I cannot grasp my mind around, that he has allowed me to step into a new self in Jesus Christ, which has been created to be like him in true righteousness and holiness. But do you understand? It's amazing what we have in Christ Jesus, we have not just been redeemed from sin, we've been redeemed into the new self. We've been redeemed into something which is to shine his light. We've been redeemed into his image and his likeness. We've been redeemed into his righteousness. We've been redeemed into his holiness. He's redeemed us so that we can become like him and shine his light wherever we are. The church was never intended to redeem the world through programs. The church was intended to redeem the world through Christ's light shining in us and shining through us into the world. The church was set aside that we could individually as the body of Christ, as members of the body of Christ, could house and contain the glory of God that wherever we go, the glory of God goes. That is is Second Corinthians chapter 3. He's created us to be like him and to shine forth his goodness. Second Peter chapter one says that in the knowledge of Jesus Christ, grace and peace is multiplied to us and that we get to participate in his divine nature. And I could carry on and talk about more aspects I could talk about more things that realign and reaffirm this truth that Paul is saying that we have not just been redeemed to no longer live as the old man, but to be to put on the new self and to live as Christ Jesus in true righteousness and holiness in the midst of this world. Because we've been created to be like him in true righteousness and holiness, because our righteousness is not a righteousness that we earn. Second Philippians chapter 2 says, I consider everything lost compared to the surpassing nature of knowing Christ, that I could gain Christ and be found in Christ and not having to earn my righteousness, but receiving his righteousness as a gift. You know, I made this, I had the privilege and the opportunity to preaching at another church uh, two weeks ago, one that, that I don't need, I haven't preached at before. And you would have heard me make this statement, but they had never heard me make this statement. And I stood up there and I preempted them and said, you might want to drag me out uh, after I make this statement. And then I said, but I am the most righteous person who's ever walked the face of this earth. I know that you've heard me say that, but they never had. And then I turned around and said, but if you're in Christ, you are too. Because it's not my righteousness it's christ's righteousness that's clothing me and so if we are in christ we are the most righteous people who have ever walked the face of the earth because it's his righteousness that clothes us and it's not a righteousness that we can earn it is a gift given to us when we step into jesus christ he clothes us with the new self in true righteousness and holiness the gift given to us. That's who we are. That's the hope of our calling. That's the life that we get to live worthy of the calling that He has called us to, to understand and to grapple that reality that we've been created in His image and in His likeness. And then it goes on. And, and the rest of chapter 4 actually now talks about the difference. And we'll distinguish between the old self and the new self, the old man, the new man, and it will flick between the two. And so we'll, we'll read it and says, therefore, you must put off the you must put off falsehood, old self, and speak truthfully, new self to his neighbor. For we are all members of one body in your anger. Do not sin old self. Take it off. Do not let the sun go down while you are still angry. New self, forgive quickly and rapidly. And do not let give the devil a foothold. Old self, get rid of that. And do not give, uh, he who has been stealing, old self must steal no longer, but he who, uh, but must work doing something with his own hands that he may have something to share with those in need. New self, can you see how it's shifting? Take off this. Put on this. That's the old self. Now put on the new self because we've been clothed in true righteousness. So let's live like it because we no longer live like the Gentiles used to live. We're now living life, which is living according to the, uh, what does it say? Living a life worthy of the calling that we've received. So we take off the old self in every aspect, in every attitude, because we've been made um, in new attitude of the minds. Do not let any unwholesome talk come out of your mouths. Old self but only what is helpful for building up others according to their needs, that it may benefit those who listen. New self, and do not grieve the Holy Spirit of God. Old self, with whom you were sealed for the day of redemption. That's what we've received. Old self, get rid of all bitterness, rage, anger, brawling, slander, along with every form of malice. He's saying, we've not been redeemed and created in his image to carry on living like we used to live, or living like the world lives, or living the way the Gentiles live. We've been redeemed from that. We no longer live according to our emotions. We no longer live according to the wisdom of man, which James says is earthly, sensual, and demonic. But rather we've been redeemed, and now we have a newness of attitude that we can walk in the wisdom of the Father, which is first of all pure, and kind, and considerate, and peace-loving to put off the old and clothe yourself with the new. And it says, uh, after we put off those ones, the new self, be kind and compassionate to one another, forgiving each other, just as in Christ, God forgave you. See, he separates between the old self and the new self. And he says, this is what the new self looks like. The new self is about forgiving. The new self is about being kind. The new self is about being compassionate. The new self is about loving as Christ loved and forgiving as God forgave you. The new self is aligning your actions and aligning your life in Jesus Christ. And I want to say here, the new self is not about biting your tongue and not saying something. The new self is having a new heart because what comes out of your mouth comes from the heart. So it's not being hurt and carrying bitterness, but, but outwardly not expressing it. It's about allow, allowing forgiveness to, p- to penetrate us. It's allow, about allowing bitterness to fundamentally just dissolve from us. It's about being made in His image, so that so that we walk in the very attitude of Jesus Christ. It's it's about asking Holy Spirit in, in our quiet times when we come alone, just Holy Spirit and me, as in our quiet space, saying, Holy Spirit, I've noticed, I've noticed that that I'm, getting, I'm carrying bitterness. I just die to that right now, Holy Spirit. Take it from me. No longer do I live in it. And fill me with your goodness and the love of the Father. I take it off. I derobe from that and I put on the new self. And you do that in prayer and the Holy Spirit will honour that and he will strengthen your soul so that no longer will you walk in bitterness or unforgiveness, but now you're, you've been equipped to walk in love and forgiveness as you walk hand in hand with the Holy Spirit. And then it says, and this is the third verse that I said you could underline, in uh, Ephesians 5, verse 1, it says, Be imitators of God, therefore, as dearly loved children, and live a life worthy of love, just as Christ loved and gave himself up for us as a fragrant offering and sacrifice to God. You see, here's the three verses. The first one is, live a life worthy of the calling which is that you've been to put on the new self, which has been created in the image of God in true righteousness and holiness. So worthy of, live a life worthy of the calling of his righteousness and his holiness and now live a life as an imitator of God. You see, we've got the the calling, now live a life worthy of that calling, which is to live a life in in his image and in his likeness, in true righteousness and holiness. Now that you've done that, imitate God in the midst of everything. Because that's the life. And how do we do that? We can only do that as we know Jesus more. Ephesians chapter 1. Verse 17, Paul says, I keep asking that God of our Lord Jesus Christ, the glorious Father, may give you the spirit of wisdom and revelation so that you may know him better. Because in knowing him, it goes on to say that the eyes of our heart will be enlightened and will understand the hope of our calling. We'll understand his inheritance that is in us and we'll understand the power that is for us. It's, but it's all found in knowing him. We cannot hope to walk and be imitators of God without knowing Jesus Christ. It's an impossibility. We cannot know the hope of our calling without knowing Jesus Christ because our identity is found in Jesus Christ. We cannot live a life worthy of that calling unless we know Jesus Christ. We cannot um, understand the new self and and we do not know true righteousness and holiness without knowing Jesus Christ. See, our identity, this comes back to the heart and the theme of Ephesians, our identity is found in Christ Jesus If you do not know him intimately, you'll never understand your identity and you'll never be able to rise up to live from that identity. In 2 Corinthians chapter 15, Paul makes this statement, I am what I am by the grace of God. And I love that verse now. Absolutely, it's, it's shaken me because it actually there we find a definition of Grace. Grace. Is that which the father gives us or it comes in Christ Jesus gives us so that we can rise up to become who we were created to be. Grace is given to us so that we can become who the father created us to be. And in Romans, it says that grace flows to the righteous. So here we've been created to be like God in true righteousness so that grace shall flow abundantly to us so that we can rise up to fulfill the calling. We will rise up to become the very person that the father created us to be because his grace strengthens our spirit. His grace is given to us. In 2 Peter chapter 1, it says, I pray that you may know Christ more, so that grace and peace will be yours in abundance, or in the NIV, grace and peace will be yours multiplied to you. What he's saying is the more that you know Jesus Christ, the more the grace of God will be lavished upon you, the more that it will strengthen you so that you can rise up to fulfill the very person that the Father saw, and the Father created you to be, and that Jesus Christ redeemed you to become, and the Holy Spirit lives within you to multiply you and shape you so that you can live that out. And the peace of God multiplies so that whatever the circumstances in life around you, you have the peace of God to continue to push on and to live the life that he set aside for you. These three verses are amazing verses, that we get to live a life worthy of the calling which is to be made in his image and, um, to create like God in true righteousness and holiness so that we can be imitators of God. Let me put it another way. I did a, a bit of a study, a, a short study, and there's many more. And there's verses for all of these statements that I'm about to make. I did, did a study on, on my identity. And who I can become. Because scripture says, for me to live is Christ and to die is gain. But for me to live is Christ. Have you ever stopped and thought about that? For me to live is Christ. It means that I've died to myself, that Christ will reign in me. But let, let these sink through. This is what we've been given. In 1 Corinthians chapter 2, it says that we have the mind of Christ. In many scriptures throughout, including the Old Testament, in Ezekiel 36 and 37, it says that we, we have the spirit of Christ. In Ezekiel, again, it says that we have the heart of Christ. In, in Ephesians chapter 3 and, and 1 John chapter 2, it says that, that we can become the love of Christ. In 1 Peter, it says that we can do nothing other than the will of Christ. It's be, like We can become the very will of Christ. In Philippians chapter 2, it says that we can have the attitude of Christ. In Ephesians chapter 4, it says that we are the righteousness of Christ and the holiness of Christ. In 1 Corinthians chapter 2, it says that we are the body of Christ. In 1 John chapter 2, it says that we can walk like Christ. And in 2 Corinthians chapter 2, it says that we are the aroma of Christ. For me to live is Christ. Because he's given all of those things to me in redemption. He's not redeemed me for me to continue to live on like the Gentiles in the old self. He's redeemed me to rise up to live as Christ in the midst of this world. Let me quickly go through those again. He's given me the mind of Christ, the spirit of Christ, the heart of Christ, the love of Christ, the will of Christ, the attitude of Christ, the righteousness of Christ, the holiness of Christ. I am the body of Christ. I get to walk like Christ and I am the aroma of Christ. That there is your identity. Let that sink in. That's what he redeemed you to be. I've got the scripture verses. This is what the Bible says. And you may say, that's not the reality in my life. But the word of God has been exalted even above his name. I shall not read the word of God through and interpret it through my experiences. I shall read the word of God and say, if that is what you say, then I am going to rise up to become it. Holy Spirit, mold me and shape me and strengthen me that I will live out what you have de- decreed here because this is truth. In James it says that I was birthed by the word of truth and to humbly receive the word that's been planted in you. The word that has been planted in you is about your identity this morning. In James chapter 1 it says the foolish man will look into the mirror and see himself and then turn around and forget what he looks like. And he says but not so you. Look intently into the word of God, into the law and live it. What he's saying is that as you look in, into Scripture, it'll reflect back to you your very identity as you meet with Jesus Christ. But don't let it stop there. Let that change you and mould you so that it affects every aspect of your life. Because we're to be pitied. We're to be pitied if we come here on a Sunday and we hear this reality about who we've been redeemed to become and that we've been made to be like Christ and then we forget about it when we step outside this door and we go and live like the Gentiles live. We're to be pitied more than any other because we know the truth. And the truth we need to let it shape our faith, that our faith will be delved deeper and deeper into Jesus Christ, that we will be rock solid and secure in him, not being tossed around by, the, way, by the, the harshness of the wind and the waves. But we stand secure in our identity, that we will walk like Christ in the midst of this world. For God knows that the world needs us to rise up now, And to walk in his image and his likeness. The world is crying out. For the sons of God. In fact Romans chapter 8 or 10 I believe it is. Says that creation itself is crying out. For the sons of God to rise up. Everything. Because it too has been cursed. It's waiting for us to rise up. If creation is how much more the people around us who are lost. And do not know the love of the father. Are waiting for us to rise up that the light of Christ shall shine through our lives in Ephesians chapter 5 and we're not going to delve into it too much verse 8 it says for you we were once darkness but now we are the light in the Lord. The light lives in us, we are the light because we've been redeemed by Christ Jesus that we will shine in the midst of the world, in the midst of every area that we have influence, in every area that we become. Anyone who crosses our paths is our neighbour, that in every circumstance they shall see the light of Christ Jesus because we've been made in his image and in his, righteous, in his likeness, in true righteousness and holiness and we get to walk like him. I don't know about you, but as I read this and as I hear this, it makes me want to live a life worthy of that calling. Because I want to honour Jesus. I want to, I want to take hold of every. In Psalms it says this, it's, and it took me years to get my head around it. And David was saying, how do I, how do I thank God for how, everything that he has given me? How do I thank him? What do I give back to him for everything that I've received from him? And his answer was, I'm going to take, and I'm going to take some more. And it took me a long time to be able to grapple with, how is that thanking him? What does it mean? But if we understand that Jesus Christ died to lavish his inheritance over you, everything that is in Christ is given to you, and everything that was in the Father has been declared to Christ, so everything has been declared over you. The fullness of the kingdom of God is in you if we understand that his grace is lavished upon and it cost him his death, I honour him and thank him by taking that which he has given me and utilising it. If I let it fall to the ground and not utilise it and not walk in it, it's a dishonour to to him and what he has achieved and what he has done. So I want to take everything that he's laid down his life for, everything that he's died for, I want to become and I want to utilise it to honour him and to thank him for all that he has done so that I will walk and see that which he has established Decreed in this time, in this town, in the lives of those people that I encounter. I want to live a life worthy of the hope of the calling, which is to be like God in true righteousness and holiness. I want to honor God. I want to to imitate God, which is Jesus Christ, who is the visible image of the invisible God, the will of God in human flesh. I want to become like him because he has laid the platform. I stand upon his completed works because I am more than a conqueror. He has conquered all of them and I stand upon what he has done that now I get to decree that which he has established into being and speak it forth because all authority in heaven on earth was given to Jesus Christ and the Holy Spirit has declared over me everything that was Christ's. We've not been redeemed to live like the Gentiles in the old way of life. We've been redeemed to carry on the legacy of Jesus Christ. We've been redeemed to be the light in the midst of this world. We have been redeemed so that we can live up to all that we have received in Jesus Christ. In Philippians, Philippians chapter 2, I've been stuck in Philippians chapter 2 for for over a month. In fact, Philippians chapter 2 and then I got stuck in Philippians chapter 3. Like it's this amazing, mind-blowing passage that if you meditate on it will fundamentally transform everything. He goes on and he talks about how great it is to know Jesus Christ, but he makes this. Paul says, not that I've already risen up and attained to perfection effectively, but he says, I press on to take hold of that for which Christ Jesus took hold of me. He says, not that I've already attained perfection, but man, I'm aiming for it. Man, I'm gunning for it because that's what Jesus Christ would deem me to be, to walk in his image and his likeness. And I'm, I'm, gonna, I'm not going to give up. I'm con- going to continue to pursue it. And I'm going to forget everything that's behind me to press on to do the good works that's laid out in advance for me to do because I'm going to take hold of that for which he has taken hold of me. And then in verse seven, 16, he says, only let us live up to. What we have already attained. Let us live up to what we have already attained. What have we already attained? True righteousness and holiness in Jesus Christ. What have we already attained? His image and his likeness. What have we already attained? His his ambassadorship, his sonship. We've become his child. We have his inheritance living in us. We have the power of God that raised Jesus Christ from the dead for us. What have we got? What do we get to live up to? We get to imitate Jesus Christ because our identity is found in Christ Jesus. And we have received his mind, his spirit, his heart, his love. We can walk in his will and his attitude. We have received his righteousness, his holiness. We are his body. We walk like Christ and we are the aroma of Christ in this world. That's our identity. Let us live up to that which we have already received in Jesus Christ. Man. I hope. I hope that like James, you hear this and you understand it and it sinks in and it challenges you to live the life worthy of the calling because I'm challenged. I, I want to I press on. I haven't reached it yet. I'm frustrated because I want to press in and I want it now, but I know that it's a lifelong calling and I'm going to continue to pursue it and I'm not going to stop and I'm not going to press back and I'm not going to... For me to live is Christ. And to die is gain. And when we think about it, our life is only but a whisper in the grand scheme of things. And I don't mean to be rude, but but some people are closer to the end here. And this is the only, only period of time that we have to be shaped by Christ Jesus and to make shape the world. And then think about this. That's our life in this world, but then we have all eternity to be with him and rest in his glory and his goodness. Man, I want to press into him, and in, and in this small period of time, I want to walk, walk like him, because I want to live up to the hope of the calling that he's laid down in my life through the death and the resurrection of Jesus Christ, because he gave everything for me, for me to live is Christ. Death is gain, but to live is Christ. It blows my mind. Blows my mind. Will you bow with me? Father, I just want to thank you for your infinite wisdom. Infinite wisdom. That you knew. That you knew right from beforehand. Right from the very beginning what you were doing. And you knew that sin would enter the world, but you would have a people through Jesus Christ who would rise above sin and reflect your glory and your goodness, who would be endowed with your righteousness and your holiness, who would live a life according to the way that you desired. Father, that's who you've created us to be. Father, I know that, that in, in, in the world's eyes, this church is nothing. We're just small. There's nothing here. But in your eyes, there are some of the most powerful warriors who've ever walked the face of the earth sitting in the pews here today. Father, I just pray that you will encourage... Each one of them and delve into their hearts the truth and the reality over who you've created them to be. Etch into them that they will live up to that which they have already received. Etch into the hearts of each one of them, Father. Right now, I pray. Then rise them up and convict them of their righteousness, the true righteousness that they have already received, that they will live up to the hope of the calling and they will become the light to every one of their neighbours, every person that they will encounter. Father, I just Pray that you embed in every one of their hearts, Lord Jesus, because while they still have breath to live is Christ. That they may walk like him, strengthen their bodies. I pray right now in the name of Jesus Christ, that no excuse can hold them back, that they will continue to press on and press into him. Because he is worthy and we desire to walk like you, Jesus We desire to take hold of everything that you have given us. And how are we going to thank you but to take more? Because we want to honour everything that you have done for us, Jesus. We want to rise up in you. We know, Jesus, that we cannot meet with you and and, and not be changed. And so we set aside the old man, we no longer live in that because we've been clothed in the new man in true righteousness and holiness to walk in forgiveness, to walk in in kindness, to walk in compassion, to walk uh, forgiving quickly, just as God has forgiven us. Father, we thank you that we get to live as imitators of yours in this world. In the name of Jesus, I pray amen as a prisoner of the lord for the lord then i urge you to live a life worthy of the calling you have received put on the new self created to be like god in true righteousness and holiness living a life as imitators of god as dearly beloved children